Amen, amen. So glad you're here. Wow, it is exciting to see you. You're back. Uh, my name is Ben, one of the pastors here at Hope Church. do feel like I have to introduce myself uh, actually this week. may have forgotten. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, you can flip, turn, tap your way to 2 Timothy chapter 3. If not, we'll have those on the screen for you. And as we get back, as this is Hope Church regathered, as we're starting a new phase, uh, we're going to uh, start a new series. And if you can see, the new series, is uh, the, the marketing for it, is, is modeled loosely off of the GoPro. Uh, I don't know if you know about that camera. So a lot of you are, are big outdoor people, um, normal sized people who like to go outdoors. And, and, uh, and so you're familiar with GoPros, you put them on your skateboards and your surfboards and stuff, you know about how extreme sports people can use GoPros in order to film really cool stuff. Rachel and I usually encounter it through uh, fail videos online, but you can see all kinds of cool things that people have done with these little cameras. And the reason that we use something like that as our, uh, our template, our way of describing this new uh, sermon series is because of a couple of reasons. One, those cameras really are tough. They're used for working. And you, ha you have somebody come and take pictures of your family or you show up at a wedding and you see a wedding photographer, they're usually using something that has to be really ha handled carefully. Cameras with these huge telescopic lenses and different stuff, SLR or whatever, and you got to keep the moisture level just right. And they're very impressive cameras, but they have to be used delicately. That's not the case with GoPros. They're intended to be knocked around and crushed sometimes, and you just get another one. They're intended to work. Another reason that I liked the, the idea is that um, there seems to kind of be this, this thought in the Christian life. And it's, just, it's not just Christianity, but you see it in Christianity. It matters most when it happens in Christianity. But if you don't push, if you're not actively holding your foot on the gas... What happens? You just, you decelerate. Unless you put on cruise control. If you take your foot off of the gas pedal, the inertia slows. Gravity, uh, friction, I don't know all the forces, but there's a slowing that takes place. In the last 10 weeks, you've been doing, hopefully, lots of different stuff. Hopefully, you have been improving in lots of different ways, and God's been giving you grace in very specific ways, and you've had opportunities to serve people. However, this last 10 weeks, just like all the Christian life, it is a temptation to slow, and we cannot slow. There's only two directions, and you're always moving in one of those two directions. And we've got to get accelerated again. And part of how I want to think about it, or part of the reason that I like the GoPro, is, is the idea that a lot of people have about Christianity. As you slowly decelerate, you just sort of allow other people to take on more and more responsibility. Until eventually that becomes the assumption. The assumption that it's their job to do it. It's my job to support it. And then you're only a small hop or a skip from, well, they're the pros. They do it. And I'm just loosely involved. Until eventually you're just not even really involved anymore. I want you to take a second and just sort of plot the course of your involvement with churches. 
I hope there are a lot of people that are thinking about church and investigating church that are hearing what we're doing right now, online, later, right now, in the room. But there are also many of you that are Christians and have been for some time, and your, your experience with the church can be plotted. Your, your vigor when it comes to Christianity can be charted internally. I want you to think about that for a second. Have you been accelerating or decelerating? Because there is no place in the Scripture for a Christian to just phone it in. We are not divided into two groups within the church of the professionals and everybody else. The fancy term for it is the priesthood of all believers. But a great verse to think about, it's not our, our verse yet, but the great verse to think about is 1 Corinthians 9.24. It's Paul and he's saying, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Is he just talking to pastors? No, when we say the priesthood of all believers, we mean that. When you become a Christian, you take upon yourself the mantle of what that means. It means that you are made in the image and for the purposes of God. It means that you are filled with, sealed in the Holy Spirit that will electrify you, reminding you of the things Christ has taught to get out into the world like fire on your head, to speak. It means that you've been gifted by God with something that the church is now dependent upon. As one brick is dependent upon another, you are gifted by something that we need. We cannot afford to decelerate. And so the whole uh, idea with this next couple of weeks is we need you to go pro. We need you to try and take your gifting, your set of ideas, your opportunities, all the way to the extreme, whatever that is for you right now. And then as you live in that extreme and that extreme starts to become sort of normal, you accelerate again and accelerate again and accelerate again until he brings you home. That's the idea in Christianity. And I want to try and paint that picture for you a little bit. We're going to look at it from a couple of different angles. And today we're going to start with what I consider to be the primary angle, which is your involvement in the Word. There's a verse in Deuteronomy. It's right at the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 29.29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. As you come to the scriptures, often you have this idea of there's not enough there or there's way too much there. A lot of people come to the scriptures, especially early on in their Christian life, and they say there's just not enough there. Early on in maybe their investigation of Christianity, there's just not enough there. There's enough to establish the idea of the Trinity, but not enough to explain it to my comprehension level. There's enough to understand that God is both divinely sovereign and humans have real free will, but there's not enough to connect those two things together. There's enough in there to say that Jesus is both God and man, but I don't understand that. And I can't get in the scriptures a full understanding that brings it all the way home and makes me have no more questions. 
You decide in your heart there's just not enough in the Scriptures. Well, this is in here in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that God says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Sometimes when we come to the Scriptures, we have this idea that we are going to become God. We're going to know from Him everything we know to be, need to know to be the same as Him. Uh, no. The Scriptures give us what is for us, but it doesn't give us everything because we're not God. We can't fit the universe into our head. And it also, sometimes we want uh, less from Scripture. We come to Scripture and we just want blessing. We just want comfort. And every time we're reading these comfort verses, we get kind of nagged and nudged by all these verses that intend for us to act. And some of us are just type A doers. And we go to Scripture and we're just looking for marching orders. And we're not really there for all these moments where the Scripture tries to draw out our heart and show us what's going on underneath. We're trying to reduce the Bible. Well, no, the Bible is there, and it's there in its fullness. And the things that are revealed, they belong to you, and they are for you to not only know, but to teach to your children as your inheritance forever. Precious things, as Psalm 19 says, like gold, better than fine, fine gold, sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. So what I want to do today is I want to study for a second, think about the scriptures, think about the word, and open up a couple of ways in which challenge you maybe, and a couple of ways in which you can increase your time in the scriptures, increase your effectiveness in reading the scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 10 and go all the way down to 17, but we're going to move quick. It says, you, however, this is Paul the Apostle, one of the guys in the New Testament who was in charge of establishing churches all over the place. And it was his job as he wrote these letters to these different churches by the Holy Spirit to actually make the Bible, write scripture. And one of the guys that he was writing to is this guy, Timothy, who was not just one of his followers, but actually was a, a pastor, a preacher. He, he had this Timothy guy lead these different churches. He was a companion of Paul. And Paul is writing to Timothy towards the end of his life, end of Paul's life to try and convey to Timothy some of these last ideas for him as he's doing and leading in the church. And he says, you, Paul says to Timothy, you, however, you followed my teaching. You followed my conduct, my aim in life. You have followed my patience, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. You have followed my persecutions and sufferings. That happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. I said a moment ago that there's only two directions and you're always moving one or the other. That's described here and it's described in a way that's a lot more graphic than we usually think about it. 
I don't know what you think the stakes are when you're deciding in the morning to spend time in the Word or to not to. I don't know what you think the stakes are when you're deciding if, if the thing that you're really going to treasure today comes out of God's Word or comes from something else. But he's describing, Paul is describing two different directions. He is describing either a hard life, a life that involves persecution, or people who are imposters, who are hypocrites, who go from bad to worse, both deceiving and being deceived. Now, if you're a believer and you're somebody who's saying, oh, okay, Ben's doing a basics on Christianity and he's starting with how to read the Bible. I got this. Let me just ask you to go a little deeper in wisdom and see that there's two options here. You are either going further and crucifying the idols of your heart and submitting your mind to Scripture like we were talking about in Romans 12, or you're being deceived... And because you have an influence on the world, you are also deceiving. Those are two options, and they are exclusive. It's zero sum. It's one or the other. You have to fight this battle. You have to dig in further. You have to go harder. There's only two options. So how do we keep going in the right direction? Well, 14 and 15... But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says, remember these things, remember where they're from, remember the sacred writings, but he also says, continue in. Continue in has an, uh, an association with, it's easier to see in the Greek, but an association with abiding in, not changing from. The course that you're on. Sometimes we think about abiding, we think about still. It doesn't seem like a transitive verb. It seems like you're just still. But what he's saying is continue in the race that you're running. Continue in the road you've been given. Continue in what you already believe in these scriptures that you've been given. Now, specifically, this guy Timothy had been raised with Jewish mother and grandmother and was receiving from them teachings about the Old Testament that gave him a really good understanding. He was ready for the time when Christianity came into his life. For many of us, that may not be the case. Your associations with the big people in your world didn't bring you closer to or give you an assurance in the scriptures. Okay. There's also a lot of other ways that you can come to believe in the Scriptures. This even wasn't Timothy's main idea. He learned these things. He learned it from both Paul and his mother and his grandmother. And having learned these things, he firmly believed them. All Paul is calling him to do now is to continue in them. How, how do you continue how do you grip and hold it fast? I keep having that verse run in my head from last week from Romans 12. It says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And I just think about that, that hold fast command. Playing with my little kids and they would try and take my wedding ring off. And I was, I'll put it in my hand and I'll hold it. And then they try and pull my thumb and pull my fingers open to get it. And, you know, the little girls, they can't do it. I'm pretty strong. But if... If you, were, if you were dealing with something that was a little bit more of an even playing field. 
How do you hold it fast? How do you, how do you keep that ball when all of these defensemen are coming at you? How do you tuck it in? How do you hold it right there and keep it? How do you hold firm to this? How do you continue in what you have believed? Well, you remember what it is that you have believed. You remember what it's useful for. He says that these are the things that are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It says in John 6, Jesus is talking. He's talking to a big group of people. And as often happened with Jesus, whenever his miracles attracted a large crowd, he would give that crowd the truth behind his miracles. And he'd give it in a way that was pretty bald, pretty um, open to understand. He said to this group, hey, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they were like, no thanks. <laughs> so all these people leave. And Jesus is sitting there with the disciples. And you can almost hear a little disappointment. You can almost hear a little bit of a sadness in his voice. After this, many disciples turn back, no longer walk with him. So Jesus says to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? I don't know. Where it's not sin, it's definitely possible to imagine Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Jesus weeping over these that leave, turn away at the word of truth. And he looks at his 12 and he says, do you want to go away too? And what does Peter say? It's one of Peter's big shining home run moments. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is what you keep coming back to with the scriptures. Yeah, there's parts where you don't understand. Yeah, there's parts that are maybe difficult. Yeah, it's, it seems like you've got to go over a huge speed bump every single morning to put yourself under that word and really think about it and love it and have it abide in you. But remember, these are the only words of life. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of days where it's sweetness and light in the scriptures. And the further you go with the scriptures, the easier it's going to be to get down into that sweetness and into that marrow. But you are often going to be called to, held to situations where to be faithful, you're going to encounter persecution. How do you keep going? You remember that these are the words of life. It's famous in the Bible. The longest book of the Bible is Psalm 119, and it's all about the word of God. If you don't have time for that, Psalm 19 is similar, but way shorter. You can jump in there. Psalm 19 says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's word brings this vivification. God's word brings this life. Life that is exclusive to it. See, God brings salvation to us through the word. And here you start to layer on the different places where this idea of God's word is spoken through scripture. His word in creation. His word in the light and the law. His word in the prophets. And then his word in the Christ. I quoted from John 6. If you go to John 1, he starts talking about the whole uh, gospel starts off with him talking about how Jesus is God's Word. He's God's expression, God's perfect expression. We were supposed to be God's image. We were supposed to be God's expression in some way. And yet, in Christ, we finally have God's full expression. And what is that expression? 
It's Jesus and all the magnitude of his teaching. Jesus is teaching in these giantesque ways about camels jumping through needles and swords slicing through families. And Jesus, who came to die for our sin. When you go to the Word and you're studying the Word, you are understanding God's perfect expression of himself. And who is himself? It is nothing less than the holiness of the Old Testament. It's certainly nothing less than the mercy of God that we see through Jesus Christ. As you go into the scriptures, you remember that this, this is the place where you found the words of life. And as you have that central conviction, you start moving out from there. It says in 16 and 17 that it's not just the part that make you feel good or the parts that make you feel this life that we're talking about, but all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. That's the idea here, that as you get this word and as you think through this word, all of Scripture, you can't just read the New Testament, you can't just read the Gospels, you also sometimes have to read those first nine chapters of First Chronicles. If you ever try to do that, it's just names. It's just a lot of names, and all of those names are hard to pronounce. And if you're proud like I am, you sit there and you try to pronounce each one because I should be able to read it at least. And then, 45 minutes later, when you've only gone 10 verses and you freak out because you're so angry at the Bible, you still remember that all Scripture is breathed out by God. More likely, when you encounter Scripture that pokes at some of the most sensitive places in your heart. When you come to Scripture that challenges some of the most rough and difficult parts of your mind, you've got to remember that all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's all going to be profitable to make you complete for every good work. Now, what are you going to do with this idea? If you agree with me, if you agree with Paul, if you agree with the scriptures, that they are important, how do you then start putting them into your life? Well, i got three T's for you. One is teachers. God has given teachers. We talked about that in Romans 12 too, that there are different gifts that are given to different people. God has put teachers into the church, and you are supposed to be able to rely on those guys. Not exclusively. You've got to go to the Word to make sure they're teaching the Word. But as they teach, they can give you things that are helpful. That's my thing. That's the one thing I can look at in the Christian life and say, okay, I think that's the thing that I'm gifted in. I'm a teacher. So I'm going to bring as much as I can to the Word to understand how I can best equip you to understand the Word. It's important that you show up here and involve yourself in the teaching ministry of Hope Church. God's given it for you and for you to be able to access not a perfect attendance card, He's given it for you to be able to access the depths and the riches of the Word. He's given you teachers. Two, He's given you tools. In English, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to understanding the Scriptures. The best one-volume way to understand the Scriptures, in my opinion, is the ESV Study Bible. If you can't afford it, let me know. We'll do a bake sale or something. You can get one. It's like 40 bucks. You can get one. And as you're reading through Scripture, every time you get to a problem, you can look at the bottom, and it'll have comments 
on that verse that you just read. And it doesn't sit above the Scripture. It sits way below the Scripture. But it knows that. And that's part of what's helpful about it. When it doesn't have just a real hard, good, we know this from Scripture kind of answer, but it just has some maybes, it says it like a maybe. It doesn't sit above the Scripture. It sits below the Scripture. But it helps you to understand what's going on in the Scripture. Please get one. Tools. Two, another big tool that God's given you is not just the teaching ministry of the church, but the other people in the church. God has given you other people to bring the word into your life, to remind you of it, to sharpen you with it as iron sharpens iron. And then, of course, lastly, it's just time. You're going to need a lot of time in the scripture. Sorry, it's not a manual that you can just kind of click through, understand, and then move on from. It's much more like a spouse. It's something that's going to meet you and challenge you, but also delight you. It's something that you're going to go to again and again and again and feel like, okay, but I should get this now, right? I've come to the bottom of this now, right? No. As you continue to look lovingly, as you continue to engage purposefully, you'll find more and more and more that this connects. It it understands you, it understands the world, and it's going to bring you to God. And I say a spouse, that's in many ways exactly what it is. Because (laughs) we say that Jesus is the word, understand that Jesus is also the bridegroom. This perfect expression of God is also God's perfect expression of how he is coming to be with you forever. Don't you want that? (laughs) Don't you want that? That means you need to take scripture and you need to memorize it. Why? So that you can have time with Scripture when you're in line for something. Now you have to wait in line to go to Trader Joe's or Home Depot. When you're in line to even get in the store, you can be thinking about. You need to sing the songs that these people sing for you through the week so that you can be singing and remembering Scripture. You need time to dwell on it. You need to take Scripture into increasingly difficult circumstances with increasingly intense persecution and watch as it buoys you through that experience. You need time. But as you do these things and as you engage with Scripture and as you drink in the Scripture, it's going to give you these words of life. Psalm 1 talks about how the man that meditates on the law of God, he's like a tree. Trees are hard. Trees are firm. You run your car into a tree, who wins? It's like a tree that's planted by streams of water that produces its fruit in its season. In all that he does, he prospers. That's what we're holding out to you. That's what we want to begin with in this pursuit of going professional. If Christianity is two-tiered and there are pros, you need to be one of those. Now, of course, it's not. We're all in this together. But you need to be going as hard as you possibly can. As we take the Lord's Supper now, I hope that you'll start to see some of how God has taken the truths of the world and he has embodied them in a way to connect with you. Because he loves you and he wants you. And if this is something that you're still engaging in as an investigator, please let us continue to talk with you and answer some questions. And hopefully help you get to a place where you can understand and value this stuff for what it is. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, as we go to take your supper now, 
as Josh comes up and we engage in that next part with all the different pieces involved, Father, I just I ask that you would embody your truth. Lord, you say that you, your son is the word. And as we take the Lord's Supper, we're remembering his body and his blood broken for us. Please help us to understand so we can see your love and be enticed back to your word and the goodness that's there. Plug us in, Father, so that we can get to work. We love you, sir, and pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen.